welcome to another just shelter confusion thursday night hangout hello good sir how's it going on this beautiful thursday night here in the alt confusion land of ones and zeros it is excellent ladies and gentlemen of course i am your host charlie and i'm joined once again by the political counter himself Zelios. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, this, of course, is the Thursday Night Hangout. It's a live show where we try our best to cover the topics most important to you. So at any time, if you want to add your, if you have not submitted your question, your topic, or your opinion, uh, feel free to drop it in the chat and we will add it to the show. If we unfortunately do run out of time, we will add it to the very next show. So to start things off, ladies and gentlemen, I am, oh, shoot. Uh, I think I can still do it. Did you forget to hit record? Um, no, no, no. I, I, I hit record, but I I want to post a link, which, of course, I forgot um, to um, copy and paste for this occasion. Oh, dear. Yeah. So. How could you? I want to start things off by giving you a, sh um, a heads up. Actually, Zelius probably could have done this, but I'm going to do it now since I've already gone all the way. Um. There we go. I'm so confused. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I do want to give a shout out to a pretty dang interesting card game uh, called Flawed. It is currently in the Kickstarter phase. I'm posting the link in the chat. It has 14 days to go. The original pledge level was $36,000. They are already to 37 uh, 37527 So they've already surpassed their goal with 14 days to go. Um, it is a very interesting and complex card game, but, you know, got to support those amazing indies. And of course we did interview them at Momocon and I'm excited to report that they are the first interview I've actually completed. I need to email them so they can take a look at the, uh, interview and then we'll post it online. Nice. I did try reading the, uh, instructions. I'm like, I'm so confused. I have no idea what's happening with my life right now. Well, the cool thing is that, so you get these base cards and then uh, there's also these, I can't remember exactly what they, what they call them, but they're kind of like overlays that you can put on top of the cards to give you a different combination to enhance the card. So it kind of has a uniqueness for every single game. It's never, I mean, yes, you technically could put the same overlay on the same card every single time, but there's a very good chance that you'll, you know, you, you might want to pimp out a different card depending on what your opponent's doing. I did pledge a high enough amount that I can create multiple decks. So, Zelius, you Ooh. and I will uh, definitely be taking this for a spin later uh, once the right. uh, once uh, the fulfillment process is done. What are your sneaking suspicion? Because, like, I mean, there's so many permutations in different ways you could probably play the game. Mm -hmm. It's one of those that you could definitely create, like, an overpowered deck oh i'm sure you could which to be fair, but like that's not a bad thing so <laughs> no. it kind of reminds me actually um a fps that i actually really liked um and now i can't Outriders. remember the name of it outrider uh -huh. and it was really good. it it is a good game but it's really single player only but what they would do is they would continually nerf the really good builds mm -hmm. and there comes a certain point where it's like Doggone it, just let the players have fun. And sometimes you're going to have a broken build. And my theory is when it's not particularly a PvP-oriented game, who gives a crap? 
as long as it's not actually like breaking the game, like, you know, causing weird DDoS issues or like something nutty, like at a certain point, like if that player wants to play the super overpeed and feel like God, go for it. It's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, actually, ironically, Zelius, that's actually kind of uh, one of the topics that someone asked me to, to talk about on the show. Uh, and that is uh, how much can uh, a developer nerf a character before you get beyond pissed? I mean, it definitely happens. Um, actually, a great example right now is Diablo 4. Because mm -hmm. um, what happened was is the open beta came out. You can only play to level 25. And people were like, the Necromancer and the Sorcerer are so OP, bro. Like, they've broken the game. And the Barbarian can't do shit. Remember, this is the level 25, right? Not in-game, nothing else. And of course, in retrospect, Blizzard nerfs the hell out of both the Necro and the Sorcerer. And now you get to in-game, and particularly the Sorcerer is like the weakest in the game. Because they nerfed characters based on playing to level 25 in the early beta. So it's, yeah, that's where it's kind of lame. Um, but there's balance, especially when it's an online game, as far as what is your you know, OP capability going to be. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's the internal struggle of any online game mm -hmm. or single player game, I guess, because now... Single-player games are also online, much to everyone's love of the nature of online always, um, where you're going to have balances going on perpetually, it feels like. I'm going to actually type this before, um, just in case uh, anyone pops in so that they know what we're talking about. Um, <clears throat> so here's my thing. Uh, first of all, as I believe it's become abundantly obvious, Charlie likes to play his single-player games. It kind of shies away a lot from uh, multiplayer online games. That being said, Charlie is uh, fallen back into Legends of Ruterra, so, you mm. know. But the thing is, with with card games, I feel, yes, they, they make tweaks and stuff, but it's not really, they you know, they, they fudge, like, a number here or there. It's not like they're, they're changing seven different skill sets to do less AOE or more damage or the cooldown changes, you know, where, or the, um, um, the type of build that you could create has, uh, no longer does what it used to. Like there was a build in smite, uh, where if you put it on Hercules, it basically made Hercules like the Uber tank. He couldn't do much damage, but my God, could he take the damage? But that should be something Hercules does. It I know, sounds about I right. Know, but then they they kind of like nerfed that uh, because people were just well, I don't know. Anyways, so they did, yeah. But but here here's the thing. So for me, I, when I'm when I'm thinking about multiplayer uh, games where there is this tweaking, I think if you're doing little tweaks here and there, I think that's fine. I do find it a little bit disturbing or unnerving if every single like update release they're tweaking a specific character or maybe one or two characters because then you're like, yeah. are you not testing this or is your update 
unbalancing things so much that this character has been OP the entire time. I'm just, you know, I don't know. It just seems like QA has dropped the ball. Well, it definitely seems a thing for like games, like especially like when they release new characters, like sometimes I feel like they were never actually balance checked. Like, they're so OP'd or underpowered for that matter at times where it's like, did anyone actually play this character? Like, I'm very confused. Like, does nobody realize like they break the game by playing them? Like, it always kind of amazes me, honestly. Right. No, I I think, um, I think there's, it's kind of funny for me when it comes to uh, if, if and when I do play like online games, like, you know, when I've played Paladin since my, oh, by the way, my son is huge into Paladins, though I'm only allowed oh, to dear. play against CPU opponents. Um, That's probably um, But the thing is, like, I, I my strategy is to immediately play the new character, see if, if it's OP'd or underpowered, and then usually I just, Unless it just fits like a glove, I don't touch it for at least a couple updates, uh, just That's to fair. see if if things if they're fud you know they they move stuff around. But if you're if a company were to like really just like dig in and redesign the character from the ground up, not the look, because I know that there's certain times, especially in um, Smite, where they've like redesigned the overall look of a character. I think Paladins might have, they might have done it in Paladins as well. Um but I'm talking like all the stats. Uh then then I just I wonder how much time they're wasting. Because if they're gonna basically change the entire character, the the way that everything acts, why not just create a new character and keep the old one? Well, I think it also depends on when you do it though, because like another example would be MMOs. Right. Where you know, in like patch cycles being like on major release in between like a major release and the next major release, normally, you know, there'll be balanced patches where like you get an extra 10 DPS or something for this attack. Right. But what ends up happening is, is when you come up with a new big release, some of the characters get totally reworked. To me, that's different though, because it's like, it's almost like a new game in a way coming out when you release like a big expansion. And in that case, it's different to me because, you know, you have a major expansion that you're purchasing, 30, 40 bucks, whatever it is. Right. In that case, okay, a rework, you know, totally rework your white mage or whatever it is. Do it then because now you're at a patch. You can kind of play that newish build for that character because it's totally new. But I think to your point, it's really awkward if like a month into a, a release, oh, let's totally rework this character now. It's like... Huh? That's odd. Well, I, I think also, I, I think <clears throat> you kind of touched on this. I, I think uh, MMOs, I would I would view differently than like a, an Apex Legend or a Paladins or uh, an Overwatch. Uh, because, you know, I, I think that the impact, yes, still, if you like, you know, tweak a character in an MMO, yes, it's going to make a difference. But it's not going i don't know i just feel like it's not going to affect things as quickly or as badly as like you know uh, a a game where 
you know, at most you're you're playing 30 minutes per round, whereas an MMO you're putting in like a shit ton of time. True, but if you also have an imbalanced PvP character that can virtually ruin potentially True. any game you play. True. True. Um, either me. by if the opposition has them or they become like one of your mandatory characters on your team, or you're going to lose. Either way is kind of lame. Right. I agree. I agree. Uh, so uh, we talked, uh, let's, let's continue with uh, this. So far, we have basically been able to jump from topic to topic with some kind of transition. So let's transition again. Ladies, Pretty seamlessly. Uh, I jokingly said this and I, I'm, I don't know if I, I, Maybe I didn't jokingly mean this, but um, uh, we were talking about, you know, PvP games and and whatnot. And Overwatch 2, of course, is a PvP game. And it turns out that uh, Blizzard is teasing uh, the Overwatch 2 anime series episode one called uh, Genesis Part 1, Dawn. And basically, this is going to be an anime short series um they are basically going to expand on the overwatch lore and uh overarching story through animated shorts comic books and other avenues with anime now being added to the mix so i jokingly said that they should stop all these other media things that probably fix their game uh yeah no unfortunately you're right um the game is, uh, it's lost a lot of steam. We'll put it that way. It's its actually becoming almost like a self-perpetuating cycle now where they've released some PvE stuff. Apparently it was pretty terrible. Um, and therefore people don't play it. So the bean counters will look at this. They're like, oh, nobody plays it. So why even put resources into it? And so therefore they just won't. Um, it, it is amazing how game went from game of the year of 2016 to basically shelve itself now. Yes. In a very sad way. Um, so there, this anime series is going to have three parts to it. Um, I don't know if the first one's actually dropped. I'm assuming that it has because part two is dropping July 13th. And then this, the third and final part is, dropping july 20th so if we remove seven days july 6th so i'm assuming the first one dropped today but i'm not 100 which again sure. like if they released this like at the height of the popularity of overwatch right would have been a big deal instead they're doing it now when it's like nobody cares about it anymore or it's become a joke yes however i do want to point out that uh the mid-season madness uh the atlanta rain did win so nice Congratulations, you watch Atlanta new game? Rain. I should have worn my Atlanta Rain, rain hat. Oh, well. Did, did you actually watch any of the matches? No. I just, I got a, I saw it on social media. I'm like, oh, yay. Nice. Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, there's uh, the Overwatch anime. Now, speaking of uh, TV series, or I guess shorts, but TV series, uh, the first half of season three of The Witcher has dropped, and they are there's a lot of pissed off people, uh, especially since the last episode apparently is a total downer. Now, I'll be totally honest with you, I have not watched a single episode of the third 
season because I want to see, I want to binge the entire season in one go. I do not need this part one and part two crap. I'm halfway through episode one. Ah, well, there you go. That's as far as I've made it. And then I started redoing my entire living room. Um, yes, I noticed that you you are turned around a different way. My entire room is flipped 180 degrees, basically, is what I did. Interesting. Um, so my TV is no longer, like, I used to have everything for my fireplace for my TV and shit, and now it's, like, the opposite. Uh, so I use my fireplace this winter. I will actually be cooked alive by my fire. It's going to be glorious because I'll be sitting, like, two feet from it. Nice. Um, but, yeah, it's, I mean, so far, episode one seems like The Witcher. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, it's loud and there's lots of grunts. But of course. Um, Of course, we all know what's happening at the end of season three, which is Geralt or um, Henry Cavill leaving. Um, We all know this. Yes. The question is, how is it? It's going to be like a episode out of like Doctor Who where like he's knocked unconscious at the end of the episode, you know, the end of the season three. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he wakes up like trains morgified. At the beginning of season four, like Yennefer, like resurrects him, but he has like slight facial surgery in the process. Or they, I mean, you know, it could be like um, the second Star Wars because uh, Mark Hamill actually was in a terrible car accident. And so they wrote into the script that he got severe frostbite while he's on Hoth so that it made sense as to why his face was slightly messed up. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I don't know. Either way, I'll end up watching it. I know. I know for a fact I'll watch it. So, oh yeah. I mean, I, I will always. I will say, like season one, The Witcher. Like I rewatched that and I loved it. Yeah. Like I wanted to. I'm like hell yes. Like. My goal is actually, which I accomplished, was rewatch the entire season in one day. Nice. It was like, because it was so good. Season two, like, I mean, it was good, but I never had like a desire to rewatch it. Like, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I watched it. It was cool, but I can move on with my life. Right. I understand that. Yeah. Um, I have accomplished a finishing off a 26 episode anime. Uh, series a couple times, but I've like never watched day? the entire season of Witcher in one go. But you finished off twenty six episodes in one day. Yeah. Oh, nice! Uh, I've done it to Trigun. I've done it to Outlaw Star. I've done it to Cowboy Bebop. Were these like thirty minute episodes? I'm guessing. Uh, twenty four minute. But yeah, but to say because that's like that's, that's pretty much an entire uh, day while you're awake watching it. Yep. Assuming you take the occasional pee break. Nope. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, you could have a Gatorade bottle. Who knows? I don't judge. I've got those two liter Mountain Dew bottles. I'm fine. That tasted really funny the last time I was over. That explains uh-huh. a lot. Anyways. Uh, yeah. You know, so we'll see. But like I said, a lot of people, they're excited, sad, and then apparently the last episode they did for the first half of the season, people are like, but why would you end it on that? But like I said, yet again, I haven't watched it, so I can't actually comment about it. But yeah, I agree from a consumer perspective. I'm like, 
WTF. They're also doing it with um, oh, what's it? Tom Clancy's um, Jack Ryan mm -hmm. on Amazon Prime. They released the first two episodes, and I didn't realize it was only the first two episodes. And then they're doing each episode on a weekly release. And I'm like, damn it. Are they doing that with um, – oh, crap. What's the, what's the other show? Reacher. Well, no, not Reacher. Um, was it Good Omens with um, David Tennant? Uh, I don't um, know. I can't remember if they if they if they dropped it all at one time or season two of that show. To me, the only show that's ever actually made sense to do it for was Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because it, what I said, yes, I agree. Because it was such a cultural phenomenon at the time. Up. You know, because nothing happened after season five, where it made sense that like the entire internet discussed what happened in every single episode. Yeah. So that show, I got why they did it. Mm -hmm. But most shows just don't have that clout. No. Um, especially, it, well, for it, me, it's it's especially true with like these like simulcast uh, animes, where you have those effing filler episodes. So you don't advance the story whatsoever. So you have to mm -hmm. wait a week after a fluff, nonsensical, has nothing to do with the timeline, BS, you know, episode. But sometimes you just got to suck it up. Which I found is sometimes harder than I want to admit. But anyways, um... I do. So there was a game that was like an underground hit, uh, or so I guess you would call it a um, cult classic called mm -hmm. Beyond Good and Evil. And Beyond Good and Evil, I believe I bought it for the original Xbox. It's a phenomenal game. Uh, it was an absolute uh, disaster um, when it when it came out. And then of course, as cult classics go. It ended up making a shit ton of money in the end, but it was seen as an absolute bomb uh, when it was you know, when it counted for you know the publishers and developers all that stuff. Yep. Now since then, there has always been a rumor for God, I don't even know how long uh, a new Beyond Good and Evil, Beyond Good and Evil Two. Um, I feel like that's been in development forever. It it's not as long. Not as long as Duke Nukem Forever and not as long as StarCraft Ghost. Uh, but um, <laughs> it's getting there. Um, and uh, the reason why I bring this up is that, unfortunately, the creative director of uh, Beyond Good Evil has passed away. And super duper scary, especially for individuals like myself and Zelius, is the fact that he passed away at the age of 40. Um, well, that's depressing now. Yes. Uh, he was a designer. Uh, he worked on Rayman Legends as long as, uh, along with other titles. Um, though he did take over the Beyond Good Evil project, uh, earlier this year, it still, you know, still sucks that someone who has a good history with Ubisoft and um you know wanted to, wanted the best for this it uh yeah 
Uh, now, of course, there's been rumors of the game Beyond Good Evil 2 being in development. I mean, sorry, being canceled at any moment, but it continues to persevere. Um, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm looking up quickly the, uh, when it was first announced. It was first announced. Let's see here. At some point in life. Yeah, basically. Uh, no, that can't be right. Hold on. Uh, okay, so Beyond Good Evil t 1 was announced, or sorry, sorry, was released in 2003. Mm -hmm. And Beyond Good and Evil 2 was first announced, was officially announced on, in 2017. However, there they did a teaser back in 2008 so 2008 nice. yeah 2008 there was a teaser for like basically ubisoft's equivalent of like e3 or pax or rtx or blizzcon whatever it's called ubi days or was called ubi days i don't think it's still there um but uh yeah so if you want to go from the 08 uh, Mark, then it has broken the um, the Duke Duke of Forever record. Uh, if you go by the 2017, there's still plenty of room before it breaks that record. But maybe we'll eventually get it. Yes. Yes. Um, now, I think that this is, I think that Beyond Good Evil 2 is also suffering from what Duke Nukem Forever went through, and that is that graphics engines have gotten better and there's been new platforms to that can take more of a load. So they've gotten kind of sucked into the cycle of, but we want it to be the best of the best. And I just hope that this doesn't become vaporware uh, and actually does get released. I just hope that it, it gets treated better than the Duke Duke of forever release where gearbox bought the rights to it and, and basically said, screw it. And, Published it just so that it is out. And, of course, that was a terrible game. But, however, uh, I believe the difference between uh, Beyond Good Evil 2 and Duke Nukem is that the uh, chauvinistic, sexist, uh, slightly racist Duke Nukem character, there is no such character <laughs> in Beyond Good Evil 2. So, <clears throat> People just like it was a good game. Yes. It wasn't for the shock value. It's just like I want to play fun games. Exactly, exactly. So, but it is tragic that um, the creative director passed away at the age of forty. So, well, that saddens my day. Yes, I guess I'll drink to our health, our continued health, <clears throat> as we drink alcohol and other poisons for our veins. Everything's poison for our veins, sir. Haven't you learned that yet? Well, I'll drink more then. There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to, um, this is the part of the show where we pause for just a second to give some love and some shout outs to the individuals who make Ultra Confusion, the Ultra Confusion that you love and adore. And those are the friends of the show. These are individuals that are patrons of Ultra Confusion through the, our Patreon 
monthly membership. So without further ado, let us start off with the indie club. God damn it. I forgot to fix the stupid. Uh, I forgot to fix the thingy. Oh, well, whatever. So you're gonna see, oh, that was quite the, that was quite the transition, sir. You're, you're going to see half of my face and half of Zelius' face, okay? Because that the best black faces background ever... doesn't work. When you combine our two faces, it's like beauty. Oh, boy. Anyways. Oh, we, need, we actually need artwork. We actually need an icon of this, of our two faces, like, put together. That would... Okay, sure. Uh, I'll work on it. Uh, the Indie Cluster is an organization of independent game developers that want to gain exposure by being involved in the community. They collectively journey to popular conferences as a traveling booth to help gain attention for their games. They make partnerships in local communities to bring games to the mainstream mindset. They local uh, they, they highlight local, unusual, and rare concepts to challenge the paradigm of the common. They also host events to teach kids and minority groups about game development to hopefully one day enter the industry themselves. For more information, go to anycluster.com. <clears throat> the next shout-out we got to give is to Noodle Boy Media. Founded in 2015 by Andrew Trent, Noodle Boy Media, previously White Kid 47 Media, is your choice for professional photo shoots and panel recordings at conventions. They pride themselves in providing a high level of professionalism, top-notch experiences, and quality services. If you want more information and to view their full list of services, check out facebook.com slash noodleboymedia. Yes. The next shout-out we got to give is to the individual who can, who, who can help with all your aches and pains from long gaming sessions. Ladies and gentlemen, Hero Chiropractic is a unique healthcare practice set up by Ryan Moore. The company's focus to elevate a patient's experience of freedom, creative expression, and joy. They believe that everyone can be a hero and has incredible heroic potential inside themselves waiting to be unleashed. Hero Chiropractic focuses on mobile chiropractic care in the greater Atlanta area. They are committed to healing clients by creating a plan of action uniquely suited for each person. They make that plan of action as convenient and affordable as possible, and most importantly, suited to your individual needs. For more information, go to HeroChiropractic.com. Now let's give a shout out to the music maestro himself. Ladies and gentlemen, need a new logo or want to work on a full branding and content strategy, or maybe you need music or audio for your content. Just like Ultra Confusion, Crosspad Creative offers a whole host of solutions for individuals and small businesses. Just email Josh at crosspadcreative at gmail.com and see what he can do for you. The last shout out we got to give is to the OG, that's the original gangster, the original patron of Ultra Confusion, that is Agile Axiom. By day, Axiom leads both the development team and system administration team working with satellites at NASA's Goddard campus. But while not in meetings at many times during, he is the Agile Evangelist Agile Axe, championing the philosophy of Agile and trying to make the world a better place for software developers, testers, system admins, and software projects the world over. Decades of experience in software development and leading Agile teams are brought to bear against evil processes, inefficient work, and bad habits. For more information, go to agileaxiom.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know that you are just dying to know, how do I become a patron of Ultra Confusion? Well, I'm going to tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, Ultra Confusion, ah, Yep, and there's the black background that doesn't work. Okay. Uh, Alter Confusion survives on the love and support of fans like you, and so we have a Patreon page. Patreon lets you, the fans, lovers, haters, demigods, interdimensional beings, gods, demons, aliens, vampires, mummies, werewolves, 
other lycanthrope and supporters and more to become active participants in the work we love through a monthly membership. This gives you access to exclusive content, community, and insight into our creative process. In exchange, we gain a bit more freedom to do our best work and the stability we need to build an even stronger creative career. Currently, there are two tiers. There is the $1 tier, that's $1 a month or $12 a year tier, and what that gets you is early access to all of our playthroughs as well as patron uh, the ability to participate in patron-only posts and polls to help shape the future of Alter Confusion. Now, if you're feeling a little frisky or you're just awesome, you can do the $5 a month that, uh, tier, which not, is $5 a month or $60 a year. Not only does it give you everything at the $1 tier, but it also has it adds your name or organization to the Friends of the Show section of every single Thursday night hangout. So if you want to become a patron of Alter Confusion, go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Altered Confusion today. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I do, of course, want to give a shout out to something that is near and dear to Alter Confusion's heart. And that is the fact that, ladies and gentlemen, Alter Confusion is proud to say that we have been fundraising for Extra Life for 12 years straight. Extra Life is gamers doing what they do best. Game! to help sick and injured children at their chosen Children's Miracle Network Hospital. The money that we raise through Extra Life will go directly to Children's Healthcare Atlanta as unrestricted funds. This means that the hospital decides where and how to spend the money to ensure the dollars we raise make the biggest impact in the lives of the kids they treat. So if you have the capacity to donate, please go to extra-life.org and search for Altered Confusion today. All right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get back to the show. And the very next topic that was asked of me, and this is I, this is not a serious topic, but it was asked of me, so I'm going to ask it to the audience and to Zelius as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, uh, two days ago was the 4th of July. And there is a specific event that happens every single 4th of July. And I'm not talking about the fireworks. I'm talking about the hot dog eating contest. And the fact that Joey Chestnut continues to reign supreme. So, the question was asked. And I, like, once again, it's a joke. It's a jest. I don't think that this would actually happen. But, if it were, if you decided to have a hot dog eating contest featuring Joey Chestnut... And Sonic the Hedgehog, who would eat the most hot dogs in the specific time limit? Zillius. Sonic the Hedgehog. I agree. I mean, he's a made-up character who basically can have the attributes of whatever the heck he wants to him. Um, I mean, I guess if Dr. Wiley was the one controlling it, maybe he'd be able to eat zero hot dogs. I mean, robot. Sure. Wiley um, is Mega Man. Oh, my bad. Um, whereby maybe the first hot dog is like his kryptonite. Ooh. And the first hot dog actually kills Sonic the Hedgehog. Maybe that or it slows, slows him down so much that he can't do his little spinny, spinny spin. Um, but outside of that, I would imagine, and plus the amount of calories that Sonic has to burn through doing the spinny spin spin, yeah. I imagine that man can eat a lot. Of hot dogs. What if the only... He like spin while eating hot dogs? That'd be pretty epic. What if it turns out that Sonic 
can't eat normal hot dogs, but only chili dogs. I'd be okay with that. That sounds like my kind of dream. Maybe Sean I should be Hedgehog, the, the inside joke, I think it was during the first the, the first animated series, was that he ate chili dogs, and they added to the movie, and then they featured it more in the second movie, the, his love of chili dogs. So it would be funny if like he's like, yeah, I can't actually beat Joey Chestnut with regular hot dogs. Now, if you let me have some cheese and some chili, I will knock that out. So I'm hearing two things. One is Joe Chestnut needs to dress up as Sonic the Hedgehog next year. Seriously. And two, they need to mix up these hot dog eating contests. Maybe to your point, maybe it's like a chili dog eating contest. Or maybe it's like a Chick-fil-A biscuit contest. Do some creative eating contest. And really see who is the greatest. Ooh, hot wings. There, there and are... Like, there and are. like every 10 wings, but every 10 wings, you have to go up to the next to extra heat level. So it's just not how many can you heat, eat. It's also how much can you actually tolerate. So maybe that's the next level is the extra spice. I think that there are contests like that. They just don't get televised. I'm saying maybe that's what they should do for the hot dog contest for the 4th of July is a progressively hotter Wingy in contest. I do want to. I do want to say that um, they did officially cancel the the Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest, and Joey Chestnut basically said, "No, we're doing this." And so they're like, "Okay," because they officially canceled it. And then all of a sudden, I was like, "Joey Chestnut wins." I'm like, "Wait, what?" I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I'll see if I could find Joey Chestnut's... Uh, I mean, I have not actually watched the Ode to Gluttonous Americans in forever. Um, but whatever happened, because remember it was that, like, other guy who won for, like, 10 straight years. It, uh, there was, uh, there was like, what, a guy from Japan? Yeah, I was trying not to be racist about it and just assuming. No, it, yeah, I, I was like, <laughs> Oh my god, I think it's Japan, but I don't yeah, want to like I think he was Japanese stereotype here. I, I know um, that there was like some some issues with him getting uh doing international uh uh challenges. And I think that during like, his what like what do you need a work visa for? Hot dog eating contest? He he visited okay. too no, many really. times. I don't know. Why do you actually need a work visa? It wasn't a work visa, but it's, you know, it's like the ability to some some countries are like serious about the amount of times you can enter and exit their country. So, but what if it's for a hot dog eating contest? I mean, that's a worthy reason to come in and just waste lots of food. Hey man, I'm not I'm not saying that it uh, it is not. I, I I'm not saying that it isn't a worthy thing, but I'm just saying that I think that part of it was some weird travel restrictions that the guy had. I wish I could mm. see. Let me see if I can find, um, let's see, hot dog eating contest. Uh, dang it. I had it. And then, of course, I went backwards. And so now I can't find the Wikipedia. Oh, here we go. Here's the Wikipedia page. Um, Takiro Kabayashi. I totally butchered that problem. Kobayashi. I think. Kobayashi. Yeah. There you go. I will say, do a quick look at the numbers. Joey Chestnut actually crushes his numbers. Oh, God, yes. 
I didn't realize like it was that. Yeah, because Kobayashi was getting around the 50s, and you got Chestnut who comes in with like the 60s, and now he's up to the 70s. Uh, he, Good. He, he, his, um, he broke the record in 2021 with 76. Uh, this year, is, he only had to eat 62. Only. No big deal. No big deal. Only 62, 62 in 10 minutes. Well, it looks like the women's side has this Miko Sudo. Miki Sudo. Sudo, who is also crushing on her end. Yes. Do you know why she she's not? Let's see here. One. Let's see. She's she's basically won every single time since. So she was the winner since 2014, all the way to. Uh, what was it? What was the year? Uh, 2013. So wait, 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 wait. Hold on. No, that's not right. Okay. So 2014 and, ah, uh, there it is. 2014 to 2020, she was the champion. Then 2021, she was not the champion. Um, and then 2022 and 2023, she's the champion. And the reason for that is that Miki Sudo, uh, decided to take a year off because she was pregnant and, uh, with her first child. So that's the only reason why she doesn't basically have what uh, nine years straight. But the what happens to you afterwards? Like I see that like Kobayashi's last win was what was that? Like you know, two thousand six. Like what are your qualifications after that? Like I like, I could be your food tester. Yeah. I I don't know, but the crazy thing is the last year that Kobayashi. Um, one with 53 and three quarters. Joey Chestnut was at 52. So, I mean, he was literally Ooh. nipping at his heels. And then Joey Chestnut has taken it since 07. I feel like the worst part of that would be like the training regiment. Sounds kind of miserable. I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to know. I really, it, to be honest with you, I, I'm, I can't watch. <laughs> I'll, 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 I, I, I know that it happens every 4th of July and I'm basically assured that Joey Chestnut's is going to win again. And also Mickey Sudo. Uh, but I always just, uh, wait for social media to tell me how many that he ate and how bad he beat his competition. <clears throat> yeah. Nope. I'm good. I, like, I don't, I like, don't actually want to watch it. It does make me a little bit nauseous thinking about it. Joey Chestnut at 62, the runner-up had 49, okay? That's that's how in his own effing league he is. Like, at a certain point, can you, like, start taunting your opponents? Just, like, sit there at, like, 49 and just be like, you want my hot, you want my hot dog? What do you think, big boy? No, there was, and just start, so, like, totally messing with him. So back in, back in the day, there used to be a show, and I wish they would bring this back, called Pros vs. Joes. Oh, yeah. Where they'd have, like, these uh, sports athletic competitions where you'd have average Joes go against, you know, retired sports uh, athletes. And there was one where Dominique Wilkins was uh, one of the athletes, and it was a um, some sort of, like, barbell curl or row uh, um, competition. And to... to you know, to go along with the the taunting of the uh, the your opponent, Dominic Wilkins got so far ahead he put down the dumbbell, 
threw the towel over his shoulder and walked over to the Joe start drinking water going, how's, so how are you doing today? You're, you're doing great. Just keep it up. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's a, it's been a slow day for me. You know, just like he's so far ahead that it, whatever this dude does, he's not going to be able to catch up to Dominic Wilkins. Uh, on a similar vein, mm-hmm. on Netflix, they now have the, um, what's it called? It's the uh, Muscles of Mayhem and Unauthorized Story of the American Gladiators. Dude. It's good. Okay. It is entertaining. I, have you seen, Have you watched it? I have not, uh, but I've been interested. But at the same time, I'm kind of scared to like learn like how bad shit was behind the scenes or like the the. I'm I'm assuming that's probably worse than uh, the the lifestyles of WWE uh, uh, people. Honestly, right? no. No, it's no. about the same. I would say, so basically the overall arc, a big spoiler here, mm-hmm. um, first couple seasons, like relatively clean, but then once they started getting big, that's when it became obvious that there were steroid use mm-hmm. and the behind the scenes as far as like what was going on. Um, but it doesn't get into like really negative territory okay. as far as the show goes. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's not, it's it definitely never, at least from the documentary, like who knows what really happened. Right. At least in documentary, it's not as bad as what happened like in wrestling during that time. Right. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. But it, it's, it's a good documentary. I recommend it. I mean, that was one of the shows of our youth. Um, and watching it and like these characters like, Yep, I remember these characters growing up. I, I for some reason the 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 number one gladiator I'll always remember is Turbo. I don't know Turbo. why, but Turbo, Gemini, Ice, yep. Nitro. Yeah, man. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, I'm not finished with the series. I'm about halfway through. Okay. Um, yeah, I still have one or two more episodes. It's only five episodes long. I still have one or two left, but it's it's worth a watch, especially if you watched American Gladiators. Right on, right on. I think it, it's it's well done. Good. Okay, so um, let's get back into the realm of video games, and uh, I do want to give an update about. There was an American Gladiator video game. Yes, there was. You know. There absolutely yes. was. Um, to uh, update a story that we said last week, and that was the fact that Valve has been behind the scenes, kind of rejecting uh, AI. Uh, games or submissions that have AI generated art that individuals cannot, you know, uh, clearly claim are their own or, you know, are IP violations. Um, Valve has come out with a statement and I just want to read the statement so that we can dissect it. Uh, Basically what they're saying is we are continuing to learn about AI, the ways it can be used in game development and how to factor it into our process for reviewing games submitted for distribution on Steam. Our priority, as always, is to try to ship as many of the titles we receive as we can. The introduction of AI can sometimes make it harder to show a developer has sufficient rights in using AI to create assets, including images, text, and music. In particular, there is some legal uncertainty relating to data used to train AI models. It is the developer's responsibility to make sure they have the appropriate rights to ship their game. We know it is a constantly evolving tech, and our goal is not to discourage the use of it on Steam. 
Instead, we're working through how to integrate it into our already existing review policies. Stated plainly, our review process is a reflection of current copyright law and policies, not an added layer of our opinion. As these laws and policies evolve over time, so will our process. We welcome and encourage innovation, and AI technology is bound to create new and exciting experiences in gaming. While developers can use these AI technologies in their work with appropriate commercial licenses, they cannot infringe on existing copyrights. Lastly, while app submission credits are usually non-refundable, we're more than happy to offer them in these cases as we continue to work on our review process. So, um, first of all, I like that, that last line where um, the, the app submission credit is usually non-refundable, but th because of you know this, this kind of confusion, they are willing to refund it in case of they having to reject uh, the game. Because to be totally honest, there are going to be, there are probably a lot of developers out there who are submitting things and innocently, innocently don't truly understand um, how the, the copyright uh, laws and policies work and how the AI generated algorithm is pulling from IP that they don't own. Uh, now, of course, there are, of course, with everything, there are people who are trying to game the system. And I wish there was an easy way to differentiate between the those who just uh, unfortunately are ignorant about it and those who are, you know, trying to make the quick uh, nickel and dime or buck by uh, gaming the system. I wish that, you know, every one of those douchebags had like an asterisk tattooed on their head so that we could differentiate, but that's never going to happen. I mean, in the scheme of things, this seems to make sense. It's, you know, Val basically like, hey, we basically have to cover our own legal asses yeah. um, as far as the content when we host it, um, but we're not outright rejecting AI. I, it seems to me like a pretty level-headed Stance. Ruling to me as far, I mean, it's basically all they can do without like being crazy either way. So I'm like, yeah, makes sense to me. I mean, there's really nothing too controversial about it. Um, and it's a very, I mean, we're still very much in the murky era as far as um, AI and copyright and all that being an amalgamation together goes. Right. Um, 100%. It's still the, still the great unknown. Well, like, like I've said many times before, I think that AI can do amazing things. And I think that when it's when you utilize uh, an individual or a group, utilize AI for a non-commercial, um, uh, you know, thing, like you, you want to spice up your Dungeons and Dragons campaign or your pencil and paper RPG or whatever, um, you know, just kind of like a home-brewed buddy-buddy system, I see no problem with that because that that can, you know, uh, it, it allows for additional flavor to the game and, and can kind of enhance it. Uh, it's just when you start trying to make a m money off of it, which, of course, now we're, as soon as I say that, we're, we're now going back into the realm of fan art, and that's not AI-generated, but the legalities are the same. 
I mean, but every company uses AI. It may not be putting their, you know, how do I solve this problem straight in the chat GPT, but every company that has a technology interfacing platform is using AI in some regard. Yeah. It's just what is the degree of AI's functionality incorporated into your technology stack? Right. Um, that's where it becomes tricky. And of course, then, you know, where is your content going? Are you keeping it on premise or is it going onto the cloud? And that's when it starts to get all kinds of murky fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, Microsoft is looking at, you know, integrating, isn't it Bing that basically has like chat GPT integrated into it now or something from right? Um, I don't use Bing. I just remember, I feel like I saw that. Um, I mean, it's not going to take too long until it comes to your local, you know, spell, I mean, spell check is AI. Yes. Uh, or Microsoft, or grammar, more grammar check than anything else. Bing announced that Microsoft build 2023 that it its integration uh, it is integrated with OpenAI's ChatGPT. OpenAI, there we go. Or ChatGPT, yeah. So it's I mean, we all have a former fashion of AI we're using. Right. Um, I mean, the cameras we're using are using AI to continually do our focus and shit. Um, all your video game, all your single player games utilize uh, AI to make the your enemies move. Yep. And a lot of the um, security protocols <laughs> that your computer has has some sort of AI flavor, so that it can learn to better protect your computer. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's nothing new. I think where it's different now is it's more accessible to the end user. Right. So I think in your point now you have you know a video game developer who didn't have access to the, I think what everyone thinks is being AI is like, you know, I'm creates everything for me. That was not accessible to the public before that was still behind like paywalls and everything else. Right. Uh, whereas now like to chat TPT version three, that's available to the public as a whole. So I think that's where it becomes tricky. Um, and obviously with art, because now you can use diffusion, global diffusion, Something stable to diffu oh, something diffusion to basically be like, I want this piece of art. Now, how do you tell what is created by what people think is AI, where I didn't basically pick up a stylus and create it? Stable, versus, stable diffusion. Thank you, stable diffusion versus what did I create with my own stylus? Right. Like, how do you differentiate between the two? And I mean, you asked it to start the question. How do you detect yeah. that? Um, it becomes like the watchman who watches the, the watch. AI. Yeah, exactly. That, then, wow. and the, the answer is who the hell knows? I mean, really? Um, I, I, I do, I, I do want to put out there. I'm not anti AI generated art and AI generated, uh, like scripts and stuff, you know, that I'm, but it, I want, I don't know. There's a, this this human element that I feel that I feel kind of gets lost uh, when you let the AI when you let things get AI generated. Uh, I just I, mean, I agree. Sorry, go no, on. no, no. I was just gonna say that you know I I feel like that 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 you know that kind of like passion and the blood, sweat, and tears kind of gets. I don't know. Um, 
sterilized from an AI, completely AI generated content. No, I completely agree. I mean, we are at MomoCon and I bought those three pieces of artwork and I am now getting frames costing way too, a whole lot more money than I originally <laughs> thought I was going to spend. Right. But part of it is to your hundred percent point, like I was there, I met the artist. Yeah. Like I saw the original artwork that he created that I have and is now signed by him. Mm -hmm. And that hundred percent is a part of, particularly for me, at least that artwork um, and seeing you know, what they created really does make a big difference. There's absolutely no doubt. And I think a big part of it is also transparency. Like, are you transparent in how this artwork was created? I think if a artist, like, let's just say Momo Khan, mm -hmm. you have an artist, you're like, I created this all using AI artificial intelligence and here's what I created. And that's almost like their shtick or gimmick. I'm going to skip that table. What? What? I said, I will skip that table. I think it depends on the type of art, though. I think if it's, I mean, we saw this a couple of years ago. Was what convention was it where the guy basically took other people's artwork and he put it through a filter? Momocon. Momocon, and so a guy did this years ago, and he was walked out of Momocon. I think that's one thing, but I think if it's, and it probably has to be like almost like a more um, creative artwork mm -hmm. or like abstract artwork using AI and they're straightforward that you're using AI that I think would be cool versus like that guy did. If you just take somebody else's artwork, you put it through a filter. So I think there's also different levels of kind of okayness right. for using AI in your artwork and depending on what you're creating um, makes a big difference to me as far as that goes. No, you're right. I mean, I think that if, if you are, uh, I'm going to put in quotations an artist. And what you do is you just say, give me Link from Zelda and just AI generated that. And that's that's your contribution was that you said, this is, I want this. Now, give me a compilation of everyone else's work to create this. I'm not cool with that. But, you know, if, if you're trying to, <coughs> I don't know, let, let's say that, um, you utilize the the AI generator to create uh, some kind of like outer space kind of background, and then you have your, you know, your your space uh, your your spaceship or space battle in the front, where you have some of your original contents actually integrated into it. I don't think I'd have a problem with that. You know, I, it's it's when it's all you know it's. It's been, you know, I, I don't, I will never take credit for something baked that I had nothing to do with. I'm not taking credit for my wife's amazing cookies. I'm not gonna be like, well, they're my cookies. No, they're my wife's cookies. And I'm just happy that I get to eat a shit ton of them. Yeah. <clears throat> and if I were to ever sell my wife's cookies, I would not get any of the profit. My wife would take it all. <laughs> Let's, be honest. Let's be honest. Nice. Um, okay, so I do want to touch on this last topic because I know we're starting to run a little bit out of time, and this one is really up Zelius's alley, and that is the fact that there is, for the first time in like forever, a new class being added to the world of Diablo, starting on July the thirteenth, and that is the Blood Knight. It's about Diablo and Merle. 
Is it? Yes. Sure. Yep. Diablo. You said the world of Diablo. I'm like, that's very vague. Yes, I know. So the seventh (laughs) class in Diablo Immortal is now the Blood Knight. It's a melee hybrid class that uses pole arms for close combat. So it'll be interesting. So later this month, you actually have the first official season of Diablo 4 coming out. Mm -hmm. And they're doing these like bloodstones or something. I forgot what the exact terminology is where basically it's a way to like get more difficult versions of the elites to then get better loot, which that's the whole point of the action RPG is the whole loot treadmill, right? Yep. You know, like, I've never done seasons in ARPGs. Like, I'd always been, like, you know, part of the Eternal League or whatever. So, you know, first I'm doing seasons, but interesting to see how it goes because, like, the whole idea is, like, this mechanism mm-hmm. for basically improving your loot table not to be accessible in season two. And I'll be kind of curious from if I do it and it's cool, don't you also want to see that, like, in subsequent seasons? You know what I mean? Like, because you're, because it's a, you know, it's a game as a service. It's so, it seems kind of weird if you do this cool thing in a season, but it doesn't matriculate into further seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, it is an interesting design, but obviously it works because like Diablo 3 has up to like their 28th season and Path of Exile is known for their seasons. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously done. It's not like a new concept or anything. No. Yeah. Um, it's just new to me, I guess, as a player. Yeah. Um, or versus, I guess, Destiny 2, but their seasons are more... It's not like they're changing how you get loot. They're changing basically your loot treadmill from your um, battle pass system. Mm-hmm. That's really what their seasons reset. Versus an action RPG where like they're actually resetting mechanisms and characters. Well, not resetting characters, but forcing you to start from level one as a character and participate in that season's rewards. Right. Which, I have four more classes to play, so it works out for four seasons at least. Is there a cap for the number of characters you can have simultaneously, like, you know, for Diablo 4? I don't know. Can I just have, like, seven different, I don't know, barbarians? I think so. Um, I remember seeing like a app as far as number of characters go, honestly. You know what drives me wild is the, the games where you can only have that one run, where you can't have like multiple. Uh, um, Dragon's Dogma does that. Yeah. And it drives me nuts because they have three very distinct classes. Um, and then you have subclasses within those. And like you'll be playing like a sorcerer. It's like, huh, I want to try a two-handed like warrior because like the melee classes are extremely different in Dragon's Dogma. You got like the super fast blade guy. You got the super slow two-handed axe guy. So it's like a completely different style. Like I just want to try this out, but like you can't try it out. You have to start right. entirely new gameplay, and I hate that. Like can't I just save my Progress like ninety eight percent of other video games. I'd be, you know, the thing is, I would actually, I would be totally okay. You know, if people are like, "Well, you're gonna game the system by just saving like a shit ton." 
Um, I'd be totally okay if each character only has a single save slot. Where no, that I'm fine, that I'm fine with. So, yeah. like, you're right. If, like, from the main character screen, you're like, continue this campaign. That's just, yeah. it's a continuous campaign. That I'm totally fine with. But a game like Dragon's Dogma, you don't get that. You get one save slot. And so you start a new character and just overwrite your progress. What's it, that I don't like. Was it Diablo 1 where literally like you could take two steps and then like, I think it's like F5 for the quick save? I mean, that's every Bioware game. That's what I got. Maybe it's Bioware. I just, yeah, I, the Bioware. I love that feature. Or I loved that feature. You don't see that very yes. often now. Now, Bioware games are the F5 for the quick save. So before you get to like any combat or like especially like decision tree discussions, F5 for the quick save so I can then press, I don't know what the quick loaded button actually F7, is. I think. That was my guess. Uh, of course, you're probably going to do that by like, you just defeated like the big bad bass. It's like, yeah, I want to hit F7. It's like, no. no. <laughs> I've done so, that before. Oh. Or like you fudge finger it, like you meant to hit F five yes. and you hit F seven, which instead. is pro oh. which is why I think it is F seven. So because if it Ooh. was F five and F six, because they're so close together, that could happen. They're thinking, you know, if it's you know if it's there's one in between, there's a chance that if someone you know were to quickly hit it, hit you know I got I got I got to save again. You know, if you hit F six, you're you're fine. A pretty good chance you're not going to accidentally hit. But you get so excited and your hand moves because you're you're wasting it, and then all of a sudden you get so excited that you go, uh instead of you just hit all the keys. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Did it work? Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh if anyone's interested, I did I, I did once again buy into the premium game pass for uh, the Legends of Ruterra um, event because I'm a sucker for it. Nice. Then I've played it so much that Riot Games can have my money. That's fair. Though there's a bunch of new characters, so I'm not I'm not playing. I haven't played competitive in a long time because I, I just really need to learn all of the new nuances and all of the new uh, skills and types before I could jump back into that because I was pretty decent when it first came out. I remember I remember seeing a um, post where it's like for the especially like the longer RPGs mm -hmm. we need like a function where it's like I have not played this game in this many hours. Yes. Or days or months. Yes. Give me a quick like catch up of where I've been. Kind of like when you're like you watch your next episode of like Netflix or Amazon. You want to it's recap? like previously. Yes. I need like or like how do I play the damn game? That's the worst. There's a there's there's a couple games where they utilize the load screen to kind of give you like a quick blurb about what exactly has happened and where you're headed next okay but half the time especially like a newer console it's too quick that's true yes that or drives me I was nuts playing, i was playing um the harry potter cell phone game yes and when you talked like i remember i was on the train i haven't played much yeah. but i remember you're like on the train like and it gives like an overview of the characters 
and you start reading it, and it's like you get through three sentences, like three words, and moves to the next character. Yeah. I'm like, hello? I love, look, look, don't get me wrong. I love the, the, the fact that load screens can go by so fast so I can get back in the action. But if you're actually giving me information that is beneficial to me, is there a way that you could just put that button to say hit A to continue? Because yes. oh my God, it's you're right. Sometimes they put like a paragraph on there and you get like a sentence and a half in. It's like, oh hey, and we're back to the action. You're like, but 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 I actually needed to know that. Not <laughs> it was I actually thought of you playing the um um What's this? Um, the Harry Potter game, uh-huh. the Legacy. So, you, but Legacy or or the the mobile game, the mobile game. Okay. So, have you played it at all? I, I am at Hogwarts, and I've taken like three classes. Okay, I'm I've taken less classes than you. I'm at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what drives me nuts about the game because you always complain about like if you're gonna do like dialogue, just do it the whole way. Yeah. Similarly, what drives me nuts today for sneeze, damn it. Thank you. It's a game like in the same cutscene goes between like full cutscene and like dialogue that you have to press, like tap the screen to go through. Yes. And and I never know which it is. So I'll be like, oh, watch a cutscene. All of a sudden it's like, oh, now I have to press a button to continue. And like, it's a really weird like gamer experience because like it just flips between the two randomly. I'm like, do I press the fast forward or not? I don't actually know what I'm doing. Um, of course, a lot of RPGs do that. Oh, it's annoying. What, what's what's even more annoying is the fact that when it's voiced, it automatically advances, but when it's not voiced, you have to hit the button to advance the the dialogue. Yes. So much fun. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think we've reached the end of our show. Um, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Ultimate Confusion Thursday Hangout. For myself, Charlie, and Zelius, it's been a pleasure to give you everything of our heads, our mouths, and of course, our hearts. We'll be back next Thursday for another Ultimate Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Remember, kids, keep on gaming in the free world. Amen to that, brother.